0: Hare Krishna. Krishna. Welcome everyone to our Sunday program. I've seen a lot of hands go up for the first time. That's nice. Thank you for coming. Um, The Krishna Conscious Movement. Are you new to the Hare Krishna or just new to Dallas? First time here? Okay. And you're coming from Oklahoma, you said? First time at the Dallas temple? Okay. Welcome. I hope you feel welcome and there was a few others I think they slowly moved along welcome to I chose a verse from the 13th well I opened up right to the page opened up uh, decided to chant verse Speak this verse from the 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. By Krishna's grace, I'm allowed to read so many pages every day, and then I put a little mark. I read on my phone, and with your phone, you can send an email to yourself for whatever page you're on. And I always put, good for Sunday. Good for Sunday, because it's got what you say, like um, a nice, a nice message for Sunday. I thought I had the right verse here, maybe I don't. So, the Bhagavad Gita is, for those who are new, it's a song. Gita means song, and Bhagavad means the name of God that possesses all opulence. And so, the Gita is broken into different sections. You're gonna see me take my glasses on and off because I just got cataract surgery and my glasses don't work for my eyes anymore, except the top half. So if you if I look a little odd with my glasses like this, please forgive me, okay? So this section is the jnana section of the Gita, which is basically the knowledge. Jnana meaning knowledge. And this is the interesting purport, interesting verse. And I'll just chant the Sanskrit. Prakriti yaiva cha karmani karmani naiva sarva shaha ya prasanthi tatatanam akkar taram One who can see that all activities are performed by the body which is created of material nature and sees that the self does nothing actually sees. Should I repeat that? You get it? One who can see that all activities are performed by the body. Our body is doing the activity. The word here in the, in the verse, many times being, uh, is kriyate, kriyata, which means to do or to act. This is where the word karma comes from. A lot of times we use this word karma in the modern sense something bad happens to us. You had a bad karma day, right? So karma comes from the word kriyate, which means to do or to act. And so when every one of our actions have a particular type of reaction, according to what um, nature that act is performed, it can be sinful, it can be neutral, it can be elevating, so in different ways like that. So one who can see that all activities are performed by the body, which is created by of material nature. And sees that the self does nothing, actually sees. So what this means is that the soul is residing within this body. And it's giving the body life. Just like I often give the example of uh, electronic, um, what do you call it? Say a cell phone or a TV or a microphone or something. You take the battery out and it doesn't work. You put the battery in and it acts like a, a cell phone or whatever. The same way we have, like the, the souls, like the battery in this body. Nice thing about it is it never dies. Hmm? If the soul is eternal, undying, primeval, and when this body is destined to its desti- uh, final destiny, when the body dies, the soul does not die. It's the nature of the soul. For so the comment by the founder of our society, his divine grace, Prabhupada, this body is made of material nature under the direction of the super-soul, and ever, whatever activities are going on in respect to one's body is not his doing. So two things, several things here that are being explained. The body is made of material nature. This is explained in the seventh chapter, Bhumirapo Analo Vayu Kamam Evacha. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. These are the separated energies of God. And it's also explained, Daivi Hesha Gunamai, that this energy that's coming from Krishna, this Prakriti, this, this material energy, because it's coming from the Supreme Lord, it is also divine. Therefore, we have that word, Daivi Gunamai. Mayi means belonging to me. And daivi means divine. It's coming from the divine source. So although material nature, we may call it material in in one sense, but it has a spiritual source. And that's the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna. So Krishna expands himself to accompany every living entity, every single soul, the living entity, uh, the super soul, the Krishna, in the form of the localized aspect of God, accompanies every living entity, no matter what type of body they take. Just like wherever you see life, you can understand there to be a soul. Wherever you see consciousness, you can understand there to be a soul. I've said this so many times, if you see con- there's consciousness in a plant, there's consciousness in an animal, there's consciousness in birds or even germs. Actually, one part of this, in this 13th chapter, it describes that whatever type of body you may get, you have to act accordingly. So, probably said even bugs, even insects, they have souls. Because you see consciousness. Just like if a cockroach comes running across your room and you go like this, the cockroach runs the other direction. He knows he's about to get smashed. Somehow or another, he knows something is going to happen. Right? So there's consciousness there. So that super soul... Everything that, that super soul directs the material nature. So, this material nature is described here that one who can see that all activities are performed by the body, which is created of material nature. So, the material nature has aspects. The aspects of the material nature are manifested in goodness, passion, and ignorance. And we, these things are explained throughout the Gita. And our body is composed of goodness, passion, and ignorance. And we can see the nature of these different modes and we can see these, how our body, (coughs) excuse me, how we can identify with these different modes in nature. We can see where we're situated. So the actual fact is, is that the soul is just the instrument that gives this body life and the body is now just reacting to the different activities that it performed previously It may sound like a little bit of word juggly. I'm actually having a hard time following it myself. But you understand that material nature, say for example, goodness, passion, and ignorance. Goodness is clean. It is the mode of, it's it's a sattvic mode, it's a clean mode, it's a peaceful mode. Passion has a lot of desire and action, and ignorance has a lot of lethargy or sleep or laziness. And so when we see ourselves under these conditions, we can identify which mode and nature we're being under the influence of. And that is just like the battery being inside a, a telephone or being inside a tape recorder or being inside a kid's toy or whatever it is. It acts according to whatever type of body it has, whatever type of instrument it is. It acts that way because of the presence of the soul So it goes on to say whatever one is supposed to do either for happiness or distress one is forced to do because of the bodily constitution. A nice verse that that emphasizes this in the third chapter where it says prakriti kriyamanani that the living entity bewildered living entity who is under the influence of these three modes of material nature considers themselves to be the doer of activities which are actually being just enforced upon us by the modes of material nature. Now we get a choice. We have a choice. The basic choice is how we're going to react to the different reactions that we're experiencing right now. Just like I'm in this particular body and it has to undergo a certain duration of time, it has a certain amount of intelligence maybe a little beauty, I don't know, it's kind of gone away (laughs) after 67 years, right? Uh, Certain amount of wealth, certain amount of education, etc. like that. And so when we, we have this material body and it's composed of those modes of material nature, so those modes have to act in a certain way. And so when the living entity is bewildered by this material energy, by this material covering, then he thinks, or she thinks, he being gender neutral, thank you, so when we th- when we when we when we think we're choosing something, to say for example, someone likes country western music, or someone likes baroque music, or someone likes, I don't know what do they call that thing headbanger music. That always wakes everybody up. The headbanger, line. <laughs> um, we think that we may be choosing the dial on the, on the radio, but our particular nature is choosing that. Music that we're forced to pick off the radio station. But because we're bewildered, we think that we're choosing. We're in a bewildered state thinking that we're actually choosing the headbanger music or we're choosing the the Baroque music or we're choosing the country western music or whatever we do. We think we're choosing that. But we're simply being pushed along by the modes of material nature and we, the soul, are simply riding in this body and all we can do is respond to our particular reaction to our previous actions. So this brings us to the point: most of the devotees understand the idea of reincarnation. To reincarnate re-incar- means flesh. So we're refleshing ourselves all the time. From childhood to youth to old age, our bodies are changing, yet we remain the same person within. I don't have any personally with me, but I'm sure somewhere in the family dynasty there's some pictures of me, like a little child, like some of these boys or some of these little boys here. And if I held it up and said, this is me, you would probably wouldn't recognize it. You would see this like a little kid. Who is it? That's not this old man sitting up here with his glasses half down his nose trying to give class. You'll see that it's, just a, it's a completely different person. So we change bodies. So what we're doing is that... As we act in this lifetime, we create a particular type of reaction. And the super soul, Krishna within, witnesses our activities and therefore He permits or He gives us a particular type of body according to our desire. I was reading earlier today, may, may even be in this purport or this commentary, where that we, we get a particular body according to this, our desire. Krishna custom makes our body according to our desires. Whatever type of desire we have at the time of death, that type of body we're going to receive. Yam Yam Vapish Madam Bhavam Yante Kalevaram. Whatever state of mind one is in at the time of death, to that state he'll attain without fail. So this is the idea that we are just re, we're just reacting now to our particular act or actions that we, we're forced to perform. And if we, dis- that's the choice that we have. How am I going to react to this particular situation? So now we get the human body. We have this human form of life, which is a pivoting point. Earlier today, I was also reading that the human form of life is the only form of life where we actually can have a choice, our chance to get out of the material uh, clutches, the clutches of material existence. So we have to utilize this human form of life carefully. And therefore, we need guidance. We need a guidebook to do this. So let me continue to finish this up and then we'll continue to speak a little bit. The self, the soul, however, is outside of all these bodily activities. Actually, we're inside in one sense, but we're outside, meaning that we have nothing to do with these activities. Okay, the body is given according to one's past desires. This is where I read it this morning. The body is given according to one's past desires. So, just like we have different desires now, right? So, if we're desiring and we act according to those desires, we all know the activities of the animals. They eat, they sleep, they mate and defend. So, if we just act according to the same way that the animals act, then the result will be in the next lifetime we'll get an animal body. If you want to stand naked, you can take birth as a plant tree body, and stand naked out for the rest of your, you know, for a whole lifetime. If you want to eat indiscriminately, take birth as a hog or a goat. You want to sleep, take birth as a bear. They sleep all winter. They don't need a heater, right? And you got their little boys watching me. So everything is happening according to one's past desires. To fulfill the desires, one is given a body which he, with which he acts accordingly, we act according to our previous desires. Say, for example, we wanted to be the king, or we wanted to be this, or we wanted to be that. Then we're placed in a particular body, and once we're in that particular body, we have to act according to that body. The previous verse, or here, a couple of verses before, the Prophet explains that when you get the body of a dog, you have to act like a dog. When you get the body of a hog, you act, have to act like the body of a hog. He said, if you get the body of a de- demigod or a deva, then you act like a deva. You can't go outside of that. Sometimes we make jokes about, if I start barking like a dog right now. Right? Everybody knows I'm not a dog. Right? But if I start barking like a dog, everybody will think it's funny. Right? They'd make, people pay. People, you know, Comedians, they do stuff like that. But everybody knows I'm not a dog. But if we act like a dog indiscriminately living our life in an indiscriminate way, then in the next lifetime we can take that type of body according to our desire. Our actions produce our desires is what I'm trying to say. So practically speaking, the body is a machine designed by the Supreme Lord to fulfill desires. It's a machine. Yantra Rudrani Mayaya. The body is simply a machine to be manipulated or utilized by the spirit soul. Because of desire, one is put into difficult circumstances to suffer and enjoy. Interesting how it's difficult circumstances, difficult to suffer and enjoy. Both suffering and enjoying are difficult. How is that? How is it difficult to enjoy and difficult to suffer? Because if we enjoy in this material world, it creates a difficult situation because we become attached to this material world and we're forced to come back in. Therefore, the whole thing is difficult from beginning to end. Thus, transcendental vision, this transcendental vision of the living entity, when developed, makes one separate from the material bodily activities. One who has such vision is the actual seer. This is a very basic understanding of our philosophy. That if we can simply understand that I'm not this material body, very simple point, Um, We've done this many times. We say, my hand, my arm, my head. We say, my mind, my intelligence. So who does it belong to? It belongs to something. It belongs to me, the soul. It's it's part of my, it's, it's an extension of my soul. And so if we utilize this body in the service of the Lord, then we can purify our existence and go back to the spiritual kingdom of God. very simple part of our philosophy to understand. So any questions or comments? Usually I talk very long, but today I put my watch on the wrong hand because I never ask for questions. I never have enough time to ask for questions. So I put my watch on the wrong hand. So I wonder, why is my watch on the wrong hand today? To give everybody a chance to open up and see if they have any questions. That means everybody agrees with me. You agree? Okay. Everybody agrees. Yes. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. You're called the internal. You're the inter marginal potency. There's the the material energy, marginal energy, and superior energy. Internal, marginal, external. We're in between. We are the same as Krishna in quality. Sat, eternal, chit, full of knowledge, ananda, full of happiness, vigraha. We have a spiritual form in relationship to Krishna, according to our activities in relationship to Krishna, but we're quantitatively different. Uh, qualitatively we're the same, quantitatively we're different. The example that is given that one drop of water from the ocean is salty, but it doesn't contain the same amount of salt that's in the whole ocean. It only has a partial amount. So we're the marginal energy of the Lord. So the, the, the scriptures tell us that the living entity is always under the control of the Supreme Lord, either through the external energy of the Lord or through the internal energy of the Lord. The better part, the best place to be is under the internal energy of the Lord, not the external energy of the Lord. Because the external energy of the Lord, the second part of that verse, that this energy is divine. It's material. It's a divine energy. It's coming from Krishna, but it's Durantia. It's a prison house. Because... Like on my business card, I took a little, two sentences from Srila Prabhupada's in, uh, introduction to the Gita. Our very existence right now is in the atmosphere of non-existence. If you take a look at it, our very existence right now is in an atmosphere of non-existence. That means that we're existing within this body, and at a certain point, this body is destined to go. It takes birth, it grows, it grows. It, it produces some byproducts. it remains for some time, it dwindles and then it vanishes. Six aspects of this body it has six aspects so as as when we when we enter this material body, we go through these six processes, but we don't die at the end of this body. So the idea is that the external energy, it is a prison cell we're, we're, we're imagine being eternal, but being placed in a, in, in, in a confined arena. It's very very unusual. Actually, most people, unless they're a little touched, right, a little, that's like in India they say brain cracked, right? Brain cracked. Unless, if you're not a little brain, most people don't want to die. The last thing, that, you know, at a certain point, you find, get to the point of acceptance, I guess, is the final, what is it? Denial. You know, arguing, you know, whatever those six stages are. And at a certain point, we just have to surrender. But nobody really wants to give up whatever they have in this world because it's not natural for us to die. Just this body dies. We don't die. We just go to another place. It's described in the Gita, Vesamchi Janani Yatavihaya. Just like if we have these clothes and they become old or worn, we take them off, we take and throw them in the trash and we get new clothes. We don't lament about the old clothes because we have new clothes. In the same way, the ser- sober person, the deir- the sober person, is not bewildered by the changing of the body. From childhood to youth to old age and at the time of death, he's unbewildered. One who is in knowledge is unbewildered at the time of death. So the living entity, this is kind of a long answer to a short question, but we're the marginal we're the marginal energy of the Lord and we can either be under the influence of the external energy, which is also one of Krishna's energy and is divine, but it's a prison house. Or we can be under the internal energy of the Lord. And again, this human form of life is the pivoting point. It's the pivoting point. It's a gift from God. The animals are forced, or force are the ants, plants, animals, insects. They're forced to act a certain way. They don't have much of a choice. They don't the, the level of their intelligence isn't developed. Human life has a is a life a, has a greater intelligence. And with that intelligence we're meant to understand our purpose. What are we here for? What are we meant to do? Who am I? It's like if you ask Prabhupada would say, when we say Srila Prabhupada, the founder of our society, you would say, You ask an, an ordinary person in the street, Who are you? I'm Mr. John. What are you? I'm an engineer. That's just this particular body. It has nothing to do with us. As the purport said, one who has this type of vision actually has true vision. If we can just get over the the bodily and mental, especially the mental platform, our minds tell us so many things all day long. I think it was yesterday we were discussing with some yoga teacher trainees and some of our local devotee youth that the mind is like a tape. It's like an endless tape and it just keeps repeating something over and over again. And we begin to identify with what the mind tells us. But we have nothing to do with that mental activity. It's really unique how the mind can just force us to do so many things. But that it, it's all, what it's doing is it's, the, it, it's actually reflecting the false ego, the false identification that we're this material body. I think I'm an American because I was born in America. In America if we take a look, we've just divided up the earth and put little lines on it. we say, this is America, this is Canada, this is Mexico. What is it? It's just a dirt. We put a little line on it and then you think that's where you're from. But we're not really from here. We're from, actually from the spiritual world. Param sanat. beyond this manifested and unmanifested world there's a Sanatan place there's an eternal place where we can reside with the supreme world we don't have to undergo birth, death, old age and disease it's just a matter of choosing right from wrong first of all we have to understand who we are If we can understand that, I'm spirit soul. My, my, vang, soul, jiva, loka, jiva, bhuta, sanatana. I'm an eternal part and parcel of the Supreme Lord Krishna. And my position is to serve Krishna. If we take a look, we see that A serves B, B serves C, C serves D. Everyone is serving somebody. This is our constitutional position. Nobody can say that they're not serving something. We have to serve our bodies. You get tired. You have to make it. You have to make it go to sleep. You get hungry. You have to eat. Whatever, all these different things we're forced to do. We're eternal parts and parcels of Krishna. So we're our, 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 because our nature is to serve. We, if we serve Krishna, then we can go outside the tabernacle of this material energy, and experience that which we're meant to really try to search for in this in this material world. If we take a look, everyone is just trying to become happy. Boy, I've said that a lot in the last couple of years. Everyone is just trying to become happy. But we're looking for it in the wrong place. We're trying to find happiness. We're spirit by nature and we're trying to find happiness in matter. It's like a fish in the water coming on the land and trying to become happy on the land. Can the fish ever become happy on the land no matter what you give it? You can give the fish a million dollars, a billion dollars, a trillion dollars. You can give a fish the best house. I, well, I just met, I, I saw some guy, I got a 40,000 square foot house. So what, you know? You're a fish out of water. You think that's going to make you happy? A forty thousand? What do you got to do? Take, take laps around it to get to your you know, bathroom? 40,000 square foot house. Are you happy? You're a fish out of water. There's no way you can become happy out of the water. So no matter what we add to ourselves in the material world, it's not going to make us happy. And that's all we ever really want to be. So as the marginal energy, Lord, yeah, marginal energy of the Lord means we can change that position from being under the influence of the external energy, bewildered by that material energy, being forced to act in so many ways by that material energy. Even against our will, artakena puyukto yam papam kardati parusha by what is one impelled to sinful activities, even unwillingly, as if being pushed by force? Arjuna asks Krishna, and Krishna says, Kama esha, kroda esha, raja gunda samumba. It is the lust, it is this desire to try to enjoy in the material energy that is the all devouring sinful enemy of the living soul, of the, of the spirit soul. So we have this choice. We have this opportunity, especially in this human form of life, to develop our spiritual intelligence. Our material intelligence, okay, we're not against it. We're not against uh, making life a little bit easier here and there, but at what cost? Have to take a look at the cost of of, of our material advancement. have Have our material conveniences actually made our life more convenient or less convenient? Let's really take a look at it seriously. So, Krishna consciousness opens up this doorway to understanding our true nature, our true self. That was kind of a long answer to a short question. Any other questions? Everybody's probably afraid now because I'll go until 10 o'clock. Over there? Oh, right here? Yeah, right here. No. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Uh, you mentioned uh, the material world is uh, Krishna's external in- energy, and we said we can be under the influence of the internal energy. Under the influence of the internal energy. Yeah. So, uh, what is Krishna's internal energy, and how can we be under the influence of this internal energy? Yeah. Krishna's internal energy is his personal energy, Vadini Shakti. It's described as. And it's the pleasure-giving energy of the Supreme Lord. And this energy actually is, com- is contained within the holy name of God. Judeo-Christian teaching, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The name is holy. nam nama kari bahu Sarva-shakti, all God's energies are present within the name of God. So if we want to be in the atmosphere of the internal energy of the Lord then we simply chant the holy names in this age. That that surrounds us, that brings that that spiritual energy and engulfs us in that material energy and allows us to taste that which we're really hankering for. It takes a while to get the bad taste out of our mouth before we can taste something good. So we've got a lot of material desires. <laughs> I don't want to say it's kind of a gross thing, but no. <laughs> we got to brush our teeth. <laughs> got to clean our mouth got to gargle a little bit got to get that thing shetadarpa namarjanam bhava Mahagni navarpanam that the cleansing of the heart better than the mouth to cleanse the heart of all the unwanted things all the sinful desires that reside in the heart can be extinguished huh? can be extinguished by simply by chanting the holy name of Krishna simple process Hare Krishna so, in the Bhagavad Gita, we've read how Lord Krishna knows our past, our present, and and the future. And we've also read how Krishna ha- gives us the free will. So, one of the questions which came up was, if Krishna knows the future, and he's giving us the free will, do we really have a choice, or is the choice already made? And I... And I was a little confused You're how little to confused. answer that question, yeah the choice you know just just say for example <clears throat> do you have children, and you you want to give them a certain amount of freedom, but yet you know that the the trajectory that they're on is going to cause a certain thing, and you try to what would you say? Instruct them to avoid that, but yet they have free will and they do it. So when we leave this world, when we excuse me, when we leave the spiritual world, it's been described that Krishna actually comes and tells us, "You really know what you want, what you're going to do here, where you're going." And just because He knows what's going to happen, He doesn't take away that free will. Just as the same way, you know something may happen to your child at a certain point because that free will is there. At a certain point the child can escape the clutches of the parent. And just because you know that something may happen to him doesn't take away that someone's free will. Because without free will there's no meaning to love. I've explained this so many times here in Dallas. If I hold the gun to George's sorry George, I hold the gun to George's head and say, George, you love me Yes Mars, you're the nicest swami. I didn't remember the swami like you and my you know, I take the gun down and you're gonna say, you know, you were a little late last night, you know. (laughs) So, when the free will is there, we can choose. But what Krishna could obviously force us. But well, what kind of relationship is a forced relationship? That's abuse. Technically, I don't want to use the word, but you know, it's 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 a nasty thing to force somebody to do something that they don't want to do, because we have the power to do it. That's a, that's 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 against the law. So Krishna Krishna is not, not going to take away our free will because. What kind of world would God have if everybody's just there because they have to be there and they, even if they want to leave, they can't leave. That's part of the perfection of the spiritual world is that we can leave if we want to leave. If we couldn't leave, it wouldn't be perfect. spiritual world, we have to be able to leave the spiritual world, otherwise it wouldn't be perfect. Because if we didn't want to be there and we had to stay there, that'd be a bummer. But when we come into the bummer, then we realize, we went into a bummer, now we got to get out of the bummer. It's a, a lot of times people use this type of logic so they don't have to take responsibility for their actions. If God knows, then well, so what? It's saying, what can I do? God knows. So what he knows? I, if I had children, I wouldn't know what, you know, my father told me, if you do this, this is going to happen. I said, so, yeah, right, yeah, right. And I did it, and it happened. At least I didn't go to jail. Well, I went to jail for Krishna, but that's a different story. You understand the example, you know? It's like you have your, you, you, you're have you a parent, you have the control of your children, but at a certain point that free will can manifest and they can depart. You can't change it just because you know that, that something is going to happen to them which you wish you could avoid. And it's not that Krishna wants us to come to the material world and suffer. He just allows us because without that there's no meaning to our loving relationship with God. And what kind of God would you... It has to be based on love. It can't be based on demand or or force. That's a very uncomfortable situation. Anything else? I thought I saw one more hand. Can I ask a follow-up? Sure. So, So, I understand that point. Taking this a little forward, if Krishna knows the future, does he also know at what point we are going to go back? Sometimes Prabhupada was asked that question. He says, go back and ask him. <laughs> Which is a beautiful answer when you really get down to it. It's a beautiful answer. Krishna knows everything. There's nothing Krishna doesn't know. That's what makes him, go, you know, that's one of the definitions, all knowing, omniscient. He knows everything. And just because, you know, I've heard that when we go back to the spiritual world, when you read the Brihad Bhagavatamrita and stuff like that, you know, Krishna actually becomes happy when Gopa, you know. So Krishna, he can play along with it. Oh, wow, so nice to see But he actually knows you're coming back. Actually, every living entity eventually gets back home, back to Godhead. It's just a matter of time. We just have to turn our attention towards that that goal. Once we turn our attention to that goal, in the, in the tenth chapter of the Gita, in the chapter slokas, the four ess- essential slokas of the Gita, Paul explains that once 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 everyone is in want of an ultimate goal. Everyone wants a goal. We have to have something that that inspires us or gives us impetus to, to do something. So once Krishna is established as the, as the goal of our life, then we can slowly and progressively make progress towards that goal. And that is, that is the advantage of the human form of life. What a gift. What a gift. We should be grateful at every moment for that gift. To be able to understand and just to question our existence. Why am I here in this world? And If I just want to be happy, why doesn't it work? What's wrong with this place? And then we begin to understand we're in jail. It ain't nice to be in jail. I've been there before, even though I was with other devotees for, for being uh, doing Krishna conscious activities. It's still jail. I'd rather be at the temple. But we made the temple. We made the jail into a temple, actually, <laughs> by Krishna's arrangement. We got to keep our Japa beads, our neck beads, our Brahmin threads. They gave us all the books. I don't know what kind of jail this was, but it was pretty cool. I mean, a little spaced out up there in, in uh, Live Oak, Florida. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. Hare <laughs> Krishna.